Welcome to Transformation Church RVA. This sermon is from our series, Amos, Let Justice Roll. Everyone knows that our world is not the way it should be. And yet as Christians, we know that God executes justice and will restore the world to the perfection he created it in. We'll be exploring how it is that God is just and justifies the one who has faith in Jesus. My name is Charles. I've been attending here for about 27 years. I won't serve on the elder team. Please turn your Bibles to Amos 5, page 815 in the Pew Bible. We will read verses 21 through 24. If you do not have a Bible, there's one in the pew in front of you. That's our gift to you if you do not have one at home. I hate, I despise your feast. I can't stand the stench of your solemn assemblies. Even if you offer your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. I will have no regard for your fellowship offerings of fattened cattle. Take away from the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice flow like water and righteousness lit like an unfailing stream. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Charles. Hey, listen, happy Mother's Day. I am not a mother, okay? And honestly, no desire to be, okay? Uh, We had three kids. I just remember thinking, well, on the first one, I was watching an episode of Walker, Texas Ranger, and my wife, yeah, during labor, she was laboring. I was eating a cheeseburger and watching Walker, and... um, (laughs) So there was that. But the other two, you know, those were uh, C-sections. Those were surgeries. Um, I, I am not giving advice here. Um, Cheeseburg, turn the TV off, okay? Pay attention. Uh, my mother-in-law grabbed a hold of one leg. I grabbed a hold of the other. And, and, and I'll tell you, uh, especially with all that's going on in our culture right now, around Roe versus Wade and and, and all the tension in churches over it. There's a ton of tension. Can I tell you something? Where the Bible says, I knit you together in your mother's womb. It is a beautiful thing to witness with one's eyes. Um, and I think today as we talk through Amos, um, I'm just so thankful for mothers. I'm so thankful um, that God sees life um, maybe differently than some of us would see life. Or, but today, um, if, you're, if you're looking for me to say, a lot of, uh, I've had several people reach out to me and say, brother, you need to get up there and you need to you know, put your foot down and really uh, talk about life and abortion. And, and, and can I just tell you where my heart's at today? I think Roe versus Wade, if it gets overturned, is the beginning of what justice looks like for life. What, what do I mean by that? I mean, talk about an injustice. It is $700-ish dollars to get an abortion. It is $30,000 on average to adopt. Think about that. Our, our society is designed to war against life. And it's been that way since the beginning. Um, Christians should be the place. If we're going to be people that say that are for baby, we also need to be for mom and 
We need to be ready to foster and adopt, come alongside these young women in these incredibly difficult circumstances that just because you didn't find yourself in doesn't remove any of the feelings and the scared that some of these folks feel. We need to be a people marked by justice for all life, beginning to end, okay? Yep. Boy, if you, if you didn't like that, well, you're about to get it. You're going to get it today. Because if you haven't been here the last two weeks, Amos is not a happy dude, okay? Amos is angry, and he's angry because he's got a message from the Lord that is bleak. I was just talking with Ian this morning, and, um, and one of the things about preaching through books of the Bible and not being able to pick what you preach, <laughs> I, I could probably try to do that and then get to preach all the good, happy, awesome, cheer on stuff. But in this case, this book is in the Bible and the Bible is my authority in all things and matters of life and spirituality. I can't skip that. I can't skip Amos. And which means when I preach this, there's a certain tone that Amos is preaching in and I'm almost tied to that same tone. I can't preach. It's hard to preach happy judgment. <laughs> Some of y'all are already making plans to get out of here as quick as you can. <laughs> you came here on Mother's Day. High five to you. And um, you're not coming back. But it's okay. Um, I'll see you next Mother's Day. My hope, frankly, is that the Holy Spirit would convict your heart in a way that would say Jesus Christ I, is, is the way that even though I'm preaching out of Amos, that what we will find is that there is a solution to judgment and it was Christ on the cross for you. Okay. So uh, today's sermon title, Religion for Looks. Let's have the altar call. Because <laughs> some of this is going to be hard to chew on. And even in my own life, even in my own life, can I tell you, just because I'm up here preaching it doesn't remove the conviction of the Holy Spirit from my own heart. Doesn't mean I've fi that I've conquered it all, that I've figured it all out. But if there's, if there's one thing I want to get across today, it's this. Going through the motions of religious acts means nothing when the rest of your life isn't in obedience to God. Doing what we do here today with the lifting up of our voices and the lifting up of our hands means nothing if you leave here and the rest of your life is devoid of God. And so my hope is that by the end of this, we will the Holy Spirit is going to examine your heart today. And you have two choices. You can ignore it. And the Bible speaks a lot about the hardening of one's heart. Or you can respond to God's call to repent and believe. And receive the hope of all nations. That's for you today. And not just who don't know Christ. But for me, as, as being a believer, this is for me today. 
It re-energizes my own need for Jesus today in this moment. Let's recap. So Amos is a farmer. Any farmers? Okay. Yeah. You got a little garden out back? I feel you. Huh? I'm wearing cowboy boots today. Check those out. Can you see them online? Um, you didn't think I had that much motion, did you? Yeah, I can eat fried chicken and do a flip too. Kirsten didn't think I could do that. I did a round off yesterday in our backyard. You've never seen so much mass flip over that quick. You've never seen something like it. There's a video, okay? You might see it one day. Amos is a farmer. That wasn't in the notes. The, he's also a prophet. So if, you're a, if, if you think that you have no place in the work of God because you're not, you, you, you weren't raised in a preacher's house or you didn't grow up in church, um, Amos did not grow up in a preacher's house. He grew up in a farmer's house. And God called him up out of his farm fields to declare the word of the Lord. He was a faithful Christian, um, a faithful God-honoring person, um, and called him um, to go north to proclaim judgment on some folks that were, um, they were declaring all God stuff with their mouth and then acting differently. Have you ever known a, don't raise your hand, okay, just just don't raise your hand. Have you ever known a Christian that was a lot of talk and a lot of movement on Sundays, but the rest of their life did not reflect? He was calling them to the carpet on it. So week one, we found out that God is the only one. When we talk about things of justice, what is right and what's wrong, God is the only one with the authority to determine that. Because your truth, your right and wrong, is constantly shifting. The you five years ago is a different you than now. And the reason God is the only authority is, one, he created all of it to begin with. Everything came from him. And then, not only that, but God is consistent. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so that's where we want to base truth, right and wrong, and justice. And then the second week, we said, look, when all we have, everything you have, is gifted from him, why wouldn't we be generous with those things? Some of us live, and, and this, is, this is a very American thought, uh, that I worked for it, and it's mine But you, so, so many, many wouldn't, now look, hard work is important. God calls us to hard work. But your ability to work hard comes from the Lord. That job came from the Lord. That money in your bank account. But by the grace of God, you'd be broken living on the street. If all we have is gifted to us anyway, and we are stewards of it, why would we not steward it in just right ways? According to God's standard, not 
ours. And that got us through chapter 2. Chapter 3 and 4 is filled filled with other special words to Israel um, about election and relationships and more judgment. And there were some wealthy women in Samaria that were taking advantage and ignoring the poor, ignoring those who were less fortunate. Again, it's this picture of... You wouldn't necessarily say you're a bad person, but you are ignoring the injustice around you, which is just as sinful. So we put a lot of weight on, um, like, look at all the good, but we will ignore the bad, and we're going to see that in today's text as well. Special words about worship and repentance. Um, And then there's this invitation to life I did want to point out in chapter 5. Verses 14 and 15, Amos proclaims, um, hear the word of the Lord, okay? The, the Lord is roaring, is how he put it at the beginning. Pursue good and not evil, so that you may live, and the Lord, the God of armies, will be with you as you have claimed. Hate evil, love good. Establish justice In the city gate, perhaps the Lord, the God of armies, will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. Amos is saying, look, here's what you should pursue, and here's what you should hate. It's very clear, right? There's no black, there's no gray area here. Pursue good, not evil, and then hate evil, love good. This should mark the the lives of God's people. So let me ask a question. If I were to look at your life, let's replay the last week. Would you be marked by loving and pursuing good? And hating evil? Because there is no like middle ground here where we're or would your mark be mark, mark by, would your life be marked by nothing like you're in the middle it could be evil could be good that's where most of us find ourselves so there's this invitation to life hey listen pursue good not evil and that brings us to our text for today which i have got to move so buckle up 16 and 17, um, when talking about judgment, this is how, therefore the Lord, God of armies, uh, the Lord says in verse 16, there will be wailing in all the public squares. They will cry out in anguish in all the streets. The farmer will be called on to mourn and professional mourners to wail. They will be wailing in all the vineyards for I will pass among you the Lord has spoken. Let me explain what this means. Um, in, in Israel culture, uh, honoring those who had died was a big deal. Okay? Such a big deal that if there, there was an entire industry where uh, you would go to a funeral and you could hire professional mourners. Like these people would come to your, your funeral, the funeral of your loved one, and wail and cry and mourn professionally. They were paid. Some of you would be like square in for that job. Like you're good at it. 
Do you know someone that's good at it? Don't point. Um, and so this is the picture. When God's judgment comes, there's going to be so much death and destruction. There won't be enough professional mourners. And so we're going to have to pull the farmers out of the field to mourn. It's interesting, as you read through Amos, what you'll find is that Amos, being a farmer, really reflects a ton on how this judgment affects farmers. Um, This being, farmers are going to have to come out of the field when the Lord passes through. And which brings us to 18. So this is where we're going to drop in. Um, We're going to read 18 through 20 here real quick. Woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. What will the day of the Lord be for you? It will be darkness and not light. It will be like a man who flees from a lion only to have a bear confront him. He goes home and rests his hand against the wall only to have a snake bite him. Any snake fans? Okay. Won't the day of the Lord be darkness rather than light, even gloom without any brightness in it? Um, there's, there's three things here we see from Amos um, in this particular passage, and the very first of which is that these people are eager for the day of the Lord, but want to turn a blind eye to their sin. They're eager for the day of the Lord, but they want to turn a blind eye to their sin. This day of the Lord, woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. These people are longing for, they're ready, they're eager for the day of the Lord. Now, the day of the Lord, contextually, um, the Bible talks about the day of the Lord in the sense of judgment, in the sense of blessing. And in fact, we are waiting for the day of the Lord ourselves when he comes, when he returns, So we have our own day of the Lord. We are waiting on Amos here is talking about the day of the Lord and and how he, this is how he describes the people of God at the time. They're looking for it. They're eager for it. But everything they're eager for is going to be exactly opposite. They're going to receive opposite of what they're expecting. He describes it this way. It's not going to be light like you think it's going to be. It's going to be darkness for you. Because one of their perspectives was that, hey, God is going to bring justice in the day of the Lord to all these people around us and somehow ignore our sin. This is how they're acting anyways. And so where you think there's going to be light, it's going to be darkness. Look at this image. A man, this is what it's going to be like for them when these Assyrians come. It's like a man running from a lion and gets met by a bear. Bad day? Yeah. Or even worse. This is, this is so vivid. He goes home. Imagine this guy running to his house. Gets in the door. Slams the door behind him. Throws his hands up on the wall resting. Thinking he's escaped. Only to be bit by a snake. Won't the day of the Lord be darkness rather than light? These folks are eager for the day of the Lord, but they're turning a blind eye to their own sin. 
The New Testament even talks about this. We hear um, these folks ask Jesus, you know, what the uh, what it's going to be like when he returns, when the day of the Lord comes. And Jesus has this response for these particular folks. He says, there are going to be many in that day that come to me and say, Lord, Lord, look at all that I've done in your name. Look at all that I've done. And I will turn to them and say, get away from me. I never knew you. This is the picture. This is the picture of, of this Day of the Lord coming where there will be many, many people who do lots of right things, but their hearts are far from the Lord. This is how he's describing Israel. Look, you're eager for this day to come, but let me tell you, it's going to be different than what you think. I wonder about us sometimes. I wonder about us sometimes. You hear a lot of folks saying, Oh, I can't wait for the day of the Lord to return. And can I tell you, I am, this, I am in that boat. I cannot wait for that sky to crack open. My heart breaks for those who would come to church week in and week out and go through the motions, but never surrender their heart to the Lord, thinking that all their religious activity will save them when a surrendered heart is the only thing that will. Hey, look, you can't come here and earn it. Let's go to 21 through 23. 21 through 23. This is where, <laughs> so we were talking in staff meeting about if there's a possible way to wrap baptism at the end of service. Um, and, and we thought, hey, maybe if there's a positive thing going on, maybe if the scripture is a little more positive, maybe we can just spend baptism into the end of the service. And then we read this scripture and it said, I hate and I despise your feasts. And we said, okay, maybe we should bump baptism into a more celebratory fashion and then get into judgment. Welcome to Mother's Day. So happy you're here. Um, look at this. Notice, before we read this, notice, Amos goes from declaring for the Lord to now he's saying, I. This I, he, now the Lord himself is speaking. Watch. I hate, I despise, very strong language, your feasts, your feasts. I can't stand the stench of your solemn assemblies. Even if you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. I will have no regard for your fellowship offerings of fattened cattle. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Oh, snap. This is dark. Have you ever asked yourself this question? I wonder if the Lord is receiving my worship. I bet none of you have asked that question. I wonder if the Lord is receiving and is pleased with my worship. Let me paint the picture. So they are eager for the day of the Lord, but turning a blind eye to their sin. In this case, what Amos is pointing out is they... Um, there's a worship that God rejects. There is a worship that God can't stomach. Just mull that over for a second. There's, 
There is a worship. There is a type of coming in on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. that the Lord will reject. And that's fake worship. And what do I mean by fake? I mean it's a worship that is with our mouths and with our hands but is not matched in our heart and in our actions outside of here. There's a type of worship he rejects. Look at some of the words here. I hate and despise your feasts. Even their own religious feasts and offerings, they're making about themselves. They're making it about themselves. Um, Another couple things to to look at here. Um, These folks are diving into worship and ignoring injustice. We see them, you offer me, in verse 22, burnt offerings, grain offerings, and then you know what other offering? Fellowship offerings, right? They're going through the motions. I'm giving, I'm doing my offerings, I'm doing these religious feasts. You know what one offering is missing? A sin offering. What he is saying here is that there's a way to come to church where you can go through the motions and do the things that are easy and ignore your sin. And he is saying to these people, hey, listen, you come in here and you're doing all the right things and ignoring your sin. That is a worship that God rejects. It's a worship that God cannot stomach. He says something similar, actually, in Matthew, um, Amos, not um, the Lord says something, not Amos. Amos was dead at this point. In Matthew 5, we see this picture of Jesus uh, teaching at the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, Jesus says this in chapter 5 of Matthew, verse 23. He says, so if you are offering your gift on the altar... And there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled with your brother or sister. Then come and offer your gift. It's this same picture. Don't come to church and pretend and then leave out of here and and, and think that what you're offering God is acceptable. It's a quiet house today, and I'll tell you why. Um, And I can even feel the weight in my own heart. Because how many times has Carl showed up at church knowing he's got issues with somebody across the aisle? How many times has Carl shown up at church knowing about the sin in his heart and has deliberately ignored it but tried to offer up my praise? To a God who sent his son to die for that very sin. How many times have I done that? And and the reason you're quiet today is because most people do. And that's why God sent Amos. And, 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 And frankly, I feel like he's having us walk through this book of Amos particularly to warn us. Wake up. Wake up. 
Stop going through the routines because your heart's disconnected from it. In short, what, what he's saying here in this very, very negative text, right? This very uh, dark text that God is saying, I hate and I despise what you're giving me. Hear me. What he is rejecting is a mouth that will come on Sunday mornings and give him praise and hands that will be lifted to him in praise. And that same mouth and those same hands will leave the church doors and belittle other people throughout the week and ignore justice, ignore injustices around them and be mean to people. And, and those same hands and those same mouths that you use to worship the Lord on Sunday, you come here and you think he's going to accept it. He won't. Hmm. Sometimes I, sometimes I feel like he might would even say to us, hey, listen, some of us probably should have come in this morning and just sit down and shut up. Repent. Believe the gospel. Worship him from that heart. God has no tolerance for, for Christians that go through the motions. He's got no tolerance for it. There is hope. Some of you are like, thank God. Yeah, thank God. Worship that God accepts. Look at, look at 24. But let justice flow like water and righteousness like an unfailing stream. Here's the big but. We want our worship accepted. We want God to receive our praises. Let's be people that do and not just hear. Let us be people that see with his eyes and not ignore his heart for justice. You know, this particular verse, um, 24, quoted many, 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 many times. You know by who? Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King. As he was... Um, leading protests and declaring that uh, people of color bear the image of God and looking for justice. He quoted this particular verse many, many times. And you know the justice movement back then, you know who it was led by? Churches. I don't know what's happened, but over the last several years, you know, there were many Christian, white Christian ministers, black Christian ministers, they were all slaughtered standing up for justice. I want to be, I want to be the type of Christian where my life and walk outside of here matches the same God that I praise and worship on Sundays. I want that for you. 
justice and righteousness. And also notice, this is an unfailing stream. This righteousness, this justice should be something that never ceases. It's continually flowing, meaning the result of true worship, the result of a transformed heart is obedience. Is obedience. It's obedience. First John chapter 2. I want to read something to you real quick. First John chapter 2. Um, I'm sorry, chapter 1. No, it is 2. Uh, verse 3 says, This is how we know that we know him. If we keep his commands, the one who says... I have come to know him and yet doesn't keep his commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word truly in him, the love of God made complete. This is how we know we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. We see this picture that if you are a follower of Christ, your walk should look like his walk. Now, let me, let, me, let me give this, not a caveat, but am I saying today that if you walk in here with sin in your life or, um, man, you, you're not perfect. <laughs> if you've come in today and you're not perfect, that the Lord is just going to judge you, send you to hell, and that he won't receive your worship today. Um, that is not what I'm saying. What I am saying to you is simply this. There is a type of person that comes in here um, whose heart is not for the Lord, but is just in the actions and just going through the motions. And then there's someone who comes here week in and week out and declares from a heart, surrender to Christ, that I am not enough and that he is and I repent. You understand that the repentance that leads to baptism is the same repentance we should have in our hearts and minds on a daily basis. Here, John nails it. He says, hey, listen, if you are a follower of Christ, you should look like it. And increasingly so. Look, we don't start out perfect, but we should be taking steps. We should more and more be conformed to the image of Christ. And that involves walking justly, seeing injustice and responding to injustice. Because these people that Amos is talking to they think that all of the, the grandstanding, all of the, the motions are going to save them when it will not. God is the one who saves. And then lastly, as I close, we see Amos in 25 through 27. He says, house of Israel, was it sacrifices and grain offerings that you presented to me during the 40 years in the wilderness? But you have taken up Sakuth, your king, and Kawan, your star god, images you have made for yourselves. So I will send you into exile beyond Damascus. The Lord, the God of armies, is his name. He has spoken. He has spoken. 
The last thing we see here is that we can do religion and not be repentant. Um, these, these couple names here you see, these weird names, which if you're looking for baby names, I encourage the Old Testament. Really cool stuff. It's Mother's Day. I tried to figure out where I could fit that in there. Um, these particular names um, were God's. You notice he mentioned the 40 years in the wilderness. You know how they got there? They had just come out of slavery in Egypt. And they brought some gods from Egypt with them into the wilderness. And they kept them. And they worshiped them. They were unrepentant. (laughs) What is the result of no repentance? Exile. Big sin has a big price. And can I tell you something? All sin is big. Even the little stuff. What Amos declares from the Lord here is this. If you do not repent, your non-repentance leads to exile. And what's going to come in the life of Israel is that they will not repent. And they will be exiled, dispersed, it says past Damascus, a long way away. And when I read this text, the thought that came to my mind was this out of Romans. says the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord so here's the here's where we stand today there will be those who come in here do the motions and never repent And your heart is destined for exile. Now, in this case, it was a physical exile. But in the spiritual case, when we talk spiritual death, what is exile? What is this death? What is this spiritual death? It is eternal separation from Christ. Eternal separation. There is no deadline there. There is no alarm clock that's going to wake you up at the end of eternity and give you another shot. Eternity is final. And today, the Spirit of God would plead with you to repent of your sin and say, Hey, I've fallen short, Pastor. My life is a wreck and a mess. I don't want to be exiled from God. I feel his spirit drawing me. And today you get to, because we look at Amos through the lens of the cross, we can today say, I can repent today, this morning.
the cross is sufficient to cover every sin, every shame, every broken place. The cross is enough to finish it. So when Paul declared in Romans that the wages of sin is death, he is saying, hey, listen, if you don't repent, you're going to be exiled from God for all of eternity. But the gift is eternal life through Jesus Christ. That gift is for you today. And not only for those who are lost this morning, if you're online today or you're in person and I'm gonna get ready to pray, um, if I've got elders and deacons in the room, I want you to go ahead and come forward. I want you to stand up front. You can do that now. We're gonna enter just a time of prayer. We're not gonna sing. We're not gonna do anything. We're just going to lay our hearts before the Lord because today this word is not just for lost folks. This is not just for folks who have not surrendered their lives to Christ. This word today is for every Christian under the sound of my voice who has been ignoring your sin. You have not been repenting of the darkness of your heart. And the Spirit would beckon you, come, come. The grace and mercy of the Lord is new every morning, and it's for you. It's for you today. So I'm going to begin to pray, and as I begin to pray, I'm going to be praying for lots of different things. But as I begin to pray, if you feel the Spirit of God calling you to respond, I want you to do that right now. With every head bowed and every eye closed, Father, today I ask that if there are hearts in this room that need to confess, who need to respond to you, I I ask that they would respond right now. That they would get up from their seats and be obedient to you. Father, today I I'm so thankful for your son, Jesus, that sees and knows we're not hiding anything from you. But you can take a once fickle heart and make it brand new. That you can take my life at whatever stage, whether it's a mess, whether it's confused, whether it's numb and you can restore it you can restore our hearts into a relationship with you as we leave this place today God I'm convicted by your word and this morning I want to repent of not getting all of this right Father I want to repent today of missing the mark in my own life Ignoring injustices that I might have seen. For failing as a husband. A father. For being impatient. With those around me. God, I repent of pride. For thinking that I'm sufficient. I don't need you. 
Lord, we repent today of not making you the center. God, we repent today of every Sunday we walked in this place and lifted our voices to you and lifted our hands to you and totally ignored you the rest of the week. God, we repent and turn towards you today. Help us. Help us, Spirit. Lord, as we close, Father, it is our desire just to see you, that your Spirit would do its work of convicting us and drawing us to you on a daily, minute-by-minute basis. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for hearing our prayer today. Thank you for these three baptisms, Father, these three souls that have been washed clean by the blood of the cross. Help us today to leave here different than what we came. In the matchless name of Jesus, we prayed. Everyone said, amen. Thanks for streaming this audio from Transformation Church RVA, located in Richmond, Virginia. For more information, check out our website at www.transformationrva.com.